occupy to fill up time or space to dwell inside or reside in see this term occupy is as american as apple pie it has been disguised in the battle cries of simplify hidden inside intel documents that are falsified to create reasons why then those reasons why are classified but what they are unable to hide is the undeniable stench of lies politicians acting holy and sanctified when they're really corroded and stank inside campaigning about how they have the most virtuous principles but what happens when their principles are morally reprehensible i, I guess we should pitch tents and camp out begging billionaires for handouts with our hands out printing inflammatory flyers to hand out demanding we demand the man out screaming their demands out until their voices echo through the castle walls of the man's house people just bleeding for what's fair and just just a sliver of justice from those who are so unjust while the unjust justification is a fabrication woven into the fabrics of this nation masons People entire lives have been preoccupied, preoccupied with the Occupy. Wall Street executives walking by get an awkward eye, giving them feeling of being ostracized because our social security nest egg is no longer ostracized. As they walk inside their multi-million dollar mansion, you can get lost inside. Standing in front of Wall Street, spewing raw speech, hearing them all preach about how we should all impeach the demigods of the seat. Screaming, it ain't fair. How come we can't get our fair share when we paid the full fare to ride the college fair as well for four some odd years? But all ain't well that ends well. Especially when Wells Fargo refuses to forego on the high interest homes they foreclose. Contrary to the indoctrinated masses of asses, the entity called the Federal Reserve Bank is not owned by our government. It is privately owned by an elite group of fascists from the upper classes. This so-called Bank of America is ganking America. And the process in which they create money from thin air is tanking America. Job downsizing leads to civil uprising. Civil uprising leads to population downsizing till there's no more surplus of goods and services to service us in this capitalistic society. The servants are us. Until the day we become conscious of the concept called working in concert. Until the, the day we can say, Mother, Father, you see King, a 3D flat screen. We are trapped behind the trappings of being trapped beings. Trapped behind prison bars of luxury cars and drinking in bars. Handcuffed to the high interest loans they hand us. Can't even hear our children's cry of, please play with me. Please play with me over the Blu-ray, HD, PSP, Plasma, and Wiz, Mom, and DAD when their child with ADD is doing homework in front of the damn TV. We are occupied from Wall Street 
to the wailing war streets. The ghetto blocks where dope fiends occupy our streets. Picketing with picket signs that read, give me mines or who got two for a dime. Protesting about the infamous plight of the high crack price. Staging sit-ins inside trap houses where police trap black spouses whose same grandparents used to scream, fight for the power. Now dope fiends just fight for powder and little bags of rocks that occupy their nights for hours, see. See, this ain't that Huey P. Black Power. This that you and me take back power. Then take that power back as ours because what was once ours has now been devoured by the 1% cowards who cower in the face of the truth. And they, they plan to make video game plantations for our youth, see. As long as these niggas is playing Madden, they ain't got time to get mad and stand up to be men. Preoccupied with the Wii controller in hand, he can actually go outside and play, but in front of the TV stand. Lost in this digital world of TV land where cyber holes get virus scares. Virtual reality vixens, we click in to stick our control sticks in. The clock is ticking, dope fiends is twitching. Locked in prison with no pot to piss in. This shit is so sickening. So I, I swear, I swear by the bullets that occupy my gun. Polluted thoughts will never occupy our sons and our, our daughters. The way your pollution occupies our waters. The way your cancer occupies our mothers and fathers we are no longer lambs being led to the slaughter we are lions racing to become martyrs and and inside these words inside these words is the the voice of all people but i am not stephen jobs i am stephen biko i am not rockefeller i am nelson mandela I am Barack Obama. No, I'm his African grandfather because through my sons, a better tomorrow will come. come, 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 come. What's up, world? It's your girl, Tamika Georgia Me Harper. And when I'm listening to podcasts, I want the real deal. So I listen to Spoken Soul Sessions with my man, Poetic Black. What's up, everybody? This your girl, Ebony the Goddess. And when I'm in these poetic streets going from venue to venue, I'm tuning in to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Spoken Soul Sessions. You ready, my man? With Poetic Black. Ain't nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh, my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and looted dances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. We'll start from scratch, exploring new possibilities.
Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions I'm your host, Poetic Black And I'm happy to be here Spoken Soul family was good I hope, I hope you're on your path today I hope you're not allowing anyone or anything to impede your progress I hope you're focused on the goal Today is the day we shine And I need us to get in tune We got work to do people Let's get it Spoken soul family What's good, what's good I told you guys that Season 5 of Spoken Soul Sessions Was gonna be off the hook I told you guys I was searching high and low To get the best of the best to come and uh, share their artistry with us Today I mean today is a treat It's a treat You guys know that uh, The Composition Entertainment LLC Put on a competition Over on Clubhouse And uh, it was a 14 week competition Grueling competition Whereas only one person Would be crowned the Grand Grio. And today's Spoken Soul family, I have the winner of the Grand Grio competition in the studio today. And this is going to be a treat because we're going to get into all of it. But first, let's give our brother the proper introduction that he deserves. I'm talking about none other. Then brother Habib The year was 2000 And a Muslim hip hop group Named Sunni Tribe Just won the Buffalo Music Awards One of the MCs was Arlem Habib A.K.A. The Black Moor Now Al Kebulan After winning the Buffalo Music Awards Arlem Habib slowly left the stage As a hip hop artist And evolved into the poetry arena after cultivating his skills as a poet and winning several poetry slams, Arlem started to realize he began only writing for the crowd and judges. At that point, he left the hip-hop and poetry scene completely, all while watching his brother, Quadir Latif, shine and flourish in both venues. But as the state of consciousness worsened and after years of hearing the call from Quadir Latif to jump back into the battle to create conscious music to combat the constant flood of ignorance over the airwaves, indoctrinating our youth. Now, armed with MC and, and spoken word, Arlem Habib has now rejoined the battle of good versus evil. Through spoken word and hip-hop Spoken soul family With no further ado I want to welcome back to the studio The incomparable Brother Habib Yo, what's good bro? What's good? What's good man? 
I don't know what it is, man. When you, when you read something, man, it just sounds so profound. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, your voice is amazing, man. Salute oh man, I, I appreciate you, King. I appreciate you, man. Oh man, it, it feels so good to have you in the studio, man. This was a long time coming. Uh, I wanted to have a you know a detailed interview. The last interview you came in, it was. Uh, for the finalist, the uh, the final stage of the Grand Griot competition, which you and our brother uh, Geronimo Tat, but uh, I wanted to get a chance to uh, sit down with you, and this was one of the the perks of winning the competition was that you would get an interview on Spoken Soul Sessions, and uh, we're about to do that right now, man. My brother, how you feeling, man? Are you good, man? Everything is good. The family is okay. Man, listen, I'm filling with two hands, man. So that's a blessing right there, you know? Mm. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But let's get into it. Man. I got to make comment, man. Like, the piece I played in the beginning of the show, if you guys heard in the beginning of the show, it was a piece called Occupy, written by our brother Habib right here. And um, this, when I first heard this track, it it just blew me away. It really, really blew me away. I had it on repeat for about the first week. It was in my playlist. I'm listening to it every day. And every time I listen to it, I got something new out of it. This was a powerful, powerful piece, man. Real briefly, real briefly. Like, what inspired that piece, Occupy? So there was the uh, Occupy movement back in the day, man. And um, I was watching the news, watching uh, these people occupying Wall Street. And I was listening to them protest. And it was kind of, it was kind of crazy because this concept of them occupying and uh, protesting the injustice of Wall Street and the reality of how poverty occupies our community family all these these supreme huge uh effects of this corporate society and i felt like the voices uh other voices need to be heard within the occupy concept because i found that interesting man because uh i did a piece also called occupy freedom mm. and it was along the same lines yes Along the same lines of what you was talking about, but I was going from a different perspective because they was talking about Occupy Wall Street, but it was the same motivation. It was a lot of press. Everybody talking about Occupy Wall Street combined together against the 1% that owns all mm -hmm. the wealth and all of this. And um, it inspired me to write a piece. And um, along the same lines, though, man, uh, I thought that was phenomenal, man. And the, the sentiment that you that you that I gathered from that particular piece man was just so heavy it was so heavy but so relevant and um that was recorded back in 2014 or 2015 am i right yeah yeah that was that was way back in the day man. yes man and it's just so relevant today yeah that poem is just so relevant today right and that, that's just a testament man you know you got timeless art 
this timeless art art that no matter what time you play it or you listen to it it can affect you it can affect some type of change man and i just thought that was just just masterful it was a phenomenal piece man and i thought you should know that most definite thank you so much so yeah man let's get into the nitty-gritty the 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 first question everybody knows the first question that i ask all my guests is that uh why spoken word why poetry i mean it could have been anything else like you you are you know i'm saying you dabble in different genres of music hip-hop being one you know that's one of your wheelhouses but uh why poetry why why decide to use poetry as your vehicle to um spread your message to uh you know let people know who you are why poetry poetry is um man it's kind of like you hear the uh scripture where it says in the beginning uh you know it was the word and that's the reality man the the level of uh being able to speak and allow your truth to be manifested through words and not just the the truth but the energy that the words have the ability for words to bring change even the concept of uh speaking to plants in positive ways allows the plants to grow mm. uh, better than speaking negative to a plant so one of the things is is that we have constant negative um, lyrics, music, um, news. It's it has to be some positive. It has to be some words that are, are affecting our children in a positive way, the community in a positive way. And po- poetry or spoken word, it's uh, it gives you that freedom and that ability to just express it mm. in every. Any, any way imaginable without any constraints mm. that's interesting man because uh exactly what poetry you know allows you to do you know when, when you rapping you're really confined you're confined to the beat you're confined to the um the bars how many bars everything is in a confine and it's it's marginalized you know but when you're spoken word it don't it, it doesn't possess those type of uh restraints you know stanzas don't follow the same format as bars you know you're not forcing yourself to rhyme you're not forcing yourself to keep a beat you know you do have that freedom of expression you know it, it allows because both of them are poetry a rapper mm-hmm. is a poet you know a poet is a poet a spoken word artist is a poet but you know depending on what's your wheelhouse where you're at it would determine whether you can really flourish in your expression and what you want to do. So it's like, you got to really, you got to really like look at it and appreciate for what it is, man. And, um, it's so much you can do with poetry, man. So much you can do with spoken word and, uh, brother, you're doing it, man. (laughs) You know, say everything could be done with it. You're doing it, man. I mean, I feel the same way about you, bro. It's like, uh, one of the first times I was on a clubhouse in the poetry uh, lanes, I heard you do a poem, bro. That was so, uh, even now, bro, I feel emotional thinking about it, bro. It was like uh, speaking about your father. Mm. And you just said like the song, you're like, give me the beat, But the way <laughs> you gradually creeped into our, my heart, mm. 
it just was amazing, bro. Cause it just, it just made me emotional, man. And having that ability is a, uh, is amazing, bro. And I salute you, man. I appreciate you, King. I really do, man. I really appreciate you, man. But I wanted to ask you, man, you know, like what's the motivation for your writing? You know, because like I, I interview a lot of different artists, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've got a, a lot of interviews. You know, if, if you search through the catalog of Spoken Soul Sessions, like it's at least about 50, 50, 60 interviews, different artists. And I interview these different artists and I try to get the different perspective I, I, from from these different artists. like what what makes them tick. But what I notice about your work, you know, your work is never superficial. You know, it's always some some underlying, you know, message. It's always urging the people to be better versions of themselves. So when you write like that, like I gotta ask, what's your motivation? Like, what what's the motivation that that really guides you to to being able to write in that vein, to be so well in that? in that vein but to to stay in that pocket man and continually inspire people with your words so what's the motivation that's a beautiful question man and um to be honest it it has changed over time (laughs) Mm. when i used to write when i first started in hip-hop i was doing it i wanted just to be dope Mm. and uh then I got into spoken word and I started doing it for, for thirties trying to win slams. Mm. But then, um, there's a verse in the Quran that says, um, uh, it speaks about the poets and it says something to the effect of like, um, and the poets, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but, and the poets who, Basically, they use their words to glorify themselves and to, uh, l- you know, lead the people away into like this, this, this place. It's like what you're saying, like a frivolous type concept mm. or self-glorification, self-praise. And then it says, except those who basically uh, glorify God, who speak the truth, they use that poetry for uh, a purpose of serving God mm. and that's ultimately what my goal is to to serve God through uh servicing these words to the people mm. that's 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 interesting my brother I mean profound powerful you know because I know it has to be a stronger motivation because this is dedication and what you do is deliberate you know like uh you know you can tell a lot from a person's writing or you can see the development because we all write in stages man there was a time when i used to write to be you know vain Mm -hmm. you write to be you know i want to be i want my words to be sick you know i want i want you to be i want you to be dazzled and and all Mm -hmm. in awe of my words but as i grew as i matured more as a writer as a um, spoken word artist I, you know, I develop, you know, the ability to write with purpose. Mm. And um, that's the thing that's missing 
And I guess it's a journey. I guess, mm. you know, a poet will get there when they get there. You know, not to just push anybody's journey along, but just a testament of my personal journey is that, you know, it's a process. You're going to get there. But when you get there, you will really see the difference you can make with your words. And it's a necessary journey mm. because through that journey, you develop skills, techniques uh, that allow you to be able to finally come to this place where you're using your, your, your skills for a true purpose that armed with those skills that you've, brought and learned through the journey where initially I was doing it for to stun on people. I wanted to stun on let me stun on these niggas. We get up here and say some or let me say some erotic stuff and I had these chicks filling me. Mm-hmm. Uh you know what I mean? But, but learning to 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 take the words to play with the words. Imagine if uh when when Musa Moses threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh, uh it wasn't a uh, a magnificent feat. Mm. It was just like some rinky dink thing that happened. Like the stick mm. just wiggled around. If it didn't turn into a giant, huge serpent to swallow up the falsehood of the other magicians, mm. it wouldn't have been so prolific and profound. So that's the same way I look at myself. When I throw down the words, hopefully they will have that same effect that Musa. Uh, had when he presented uh, his uh, his staff and it turned into a snake. Wow, man, that's a great analogy, man. That's a great analogy, man. And you can tell when a person is writing with purpose. You know the the magnitude, you know, or the depth of their words. It would show. It would. It would just. It would just shine through. You know, and um, I just think that's amazing, man. Because some of these pieces, man, like I, is a couple of pieces that I heard from you. Um, the hanging tree. That's another one. The hanging tree, man. A profound piece of work, man. Mm. A profound piece of work. So many different elements that you can resonate with. You know, um, it's like, you know, you hear you hear people's work. And when you see it consistently, heavy piece after heavy piece after heavy piece after heavy piece, it's like, whoa, you know, this person has evolved. You know, this person has, yeah. has you know, you know, they, they, they've, they've reached. And um, this is beautiful artistry, man. So it's like, I don't know, man, you know, like certain people or certain poets, when I hear their, their words, it, it kind of like stick to the rib. Like certain certain individuals, you know, like when I'm listening to Talam AC, yeah. When I'm listening to like Slangston Hughes, yeah. Or I'm listening to like uh, maybe Mahogany Brown or Jive Poetic. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm listening to these artists and they take me places. Another artist. Uh, po- yeah, de- definitely you, poet. <laughs> you know Jive Poetic. Yeah, I know Jive. You know Jive. Jive Poetic. Jive, he's from Buffalo, man. Oh, Jive is originally from Buffalo. Jive poetic. Yeah, man. Uh, I know Jive. I tell you, I tell you a a, a crazy story because he's the host, or he's actively hosting, if I'm not mistaken, um, the uh, New Yorkian Poets Cafe. 
I gotta go check him out. Yeah, man. He's uh him and Mahogany Brown, both they was um Yeah. They was both doing the uh I remember her too. Yeah. She came man. to Buffalo and they came to Buffalo a couple slams. In fact, I'm trying to think if I got them in a slam. I can't remember. But it's possible. It's possible. Definitely, man. <laughs> like Job, I met Job. Cause it was it was funny when I met him. I met him at the New Yo. I was at the New Yo. It was a Wednesday night performance. We was doing the uh, you know, it's the slam to qualify to see if you would get on the slam team. And it was like, okay, I I would you come in the line and they say, Oh, that's the host right there. And I said, What what's the host name? He said, Jive Poetic. So I was like, Jive poetic. I said, I got poetic in my name. And at that time, I've never heard anybody put poetic in their name like that. Yeah. You know, so I was like, Jive poetic. I like that. You know what I'm saying? So when I got on the stage, it's like, yo, what's your name? I was like, Poetic Black, you know? So so what happened was I wound up winning that night. I wound wow. up winning. You know, I did the slam, wound up winning to qualify for the next week. The right. next week. Or the, no, matter of fact, no, I gotta go back. What happened was I didn't I didn't win that slam. I came in second place. I came in second place. But the winner, the winner couldn't attend the next week. No um slam. They couldn't attend the ah, next week slam. So so, you, so I second place. Yeah, I got second place. I, I I got in that in that slot. But I didn't know because after the slam I had left. I left. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was in Manhattan. I live in Brooklyn. So I, I go back to Brooklyn or whatever the case is. But let me show you how the universe works. It's crazy. So boom. I'm in Brooklyn. I don't have no idea. I just I went to the slam that previously, a previous Wednesday. And uh, yo, I'm I lost or whatever the case is. I came in second place. So boom, I drive and I go visit my aunt. I'm going to drive to go visit my aunt. So I go, I go to my aunt. I'm parking up. I get out the car and I see this dude run up on me. I was like, yo, he was like, yo, poetic black. So I was like, I was like, yo, I was like, that's the dude that was hosting the what you call it. He said, yo, man, I've been looking all over for you on social media, man. He's like, yo, man, you know what I'm saying? You qualified because you were second place and the the person couldn't attend the next slam, whatever the case may be. You won in. I was like, yeah, I won in. So I went in and I got in and I made it always to the semifinals. You know what I'm saying? But me and Jav, we we always stayed in touch, man. And it was always love, man. Cause he do a, he do so much for the poetry community, man. He's a real solid brother, man. I, I think I did a, a spotlight on him on, on the sh- on um spoken soul sessions. But I think I want to get Jive Poetic. Definitely want to get him on the um broadcast, man. That's yeah, crazy. That's funny. That's I, funny how we that's crazy, bro. I didn't know yo, you knew Jive. You said Jive <laughs> Poetic. I'm like you, you know, and I'm trying to think if he lived there or he was going to school there. Mm. But he would, he he at the time he was living there, and he was uh, coming to the slams, coming to the open mics every week, and uh, we kicked it. We were good friends, man. And uh, I'm tr- I know he then he stopped messing with mahogany. Yeah, she was man. On HBO. Yeah, right? mahogany. Yo, mahogany brown. She's yo. She's she's beautiful man her her spoken word it takes me to the to the next level yeah you know she's just phenomenal she's phenomenal and uh 
It's it's crazy, man. It's a small world. See that? It's a mm-hmm. small world. Cause I done done um some mahogany slams too. Cause she she hosts that brick. They do the uh, events at Brick, and uh, she do a lot of hosting over there, man. Solid, man. Solid. That's that's crazy. I did not know you knew Jive, man. Or Mahogany. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't know he was he was he uh was hosting the New York Weekend, man. That's man, insane. Jive is legendary, man. And he be DJ. Yeah, he be DJing, man. He be DJ. No. Yeah, bro. Yo, Jive is legendary for the New York, man. Like when that's you think crazy. of New York, you think of Jive, B. <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm saying? That's Damn. beautiful, man. That's a beautiful thing, man. Reach out to him, man. Yeah, that that that'll be beautiful, man. That'll be a dope look, man. Matter of fact, man, if we could run up on him, man, when you come to NY, man, let's do it. You know, V, that'll be dope, man. That'll be dope. Oh man, that's crazy. But yeah, man, let's get back into the interview. We, you know, what I'm saying we reminiscing. But yeah, that's good. That's great. Now, let me ask you. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I'm not gonna do that yet. What we're gonna do is this. We're gonna get to your first piece. We want to give the audience, you know, we 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 want to get the audience a taste of who Brother Habib is. Who who is this this phenom? Who is this brother, man? And then we want to get into this Grand Griot competition. We got some questions about that. So let me set up the stage for you. All right. Are you ready right now, brother? Yes, sir. All right. Coming to the stage. Let's give a warm, warm welcome, performing his first piece on the Spoken Soul Session stage, Brother Habib. He said it was only a white lie. And of course, my reply was, you mean like a Susan Smith lie? How she drowned her own kids and blamed it on some black guy lie. He said, no, no, a white lie, something small, something small. You mean like uh, his wallet resembled a gun lie? Or how about some Ariel Sharon lies, how he was bulldozing abandoned home lies, creating hundreds of unmarked graves with thousands of bones lie. You see, I didn't understand because I overstand that white lies lead to chalk lines and chalk lines means it's us dying. Half the time, niggas is getting the blame when it's not even us lying. Damn, this country was founded on white lies. How the Native Americans heard the pilgrims cry and before they would watch their children die, they showed them how to plant crops like wheat and rye. The pilgrims so surprised they thanked them by giving them blankets and infected with smallpox so they would die. Then they killed off the buffalo which was their food supply and watched their children die. The first words the Native Americans heard were, we come in peace, which was the first white lie. Now they got all types of lies, sexual lies, socialized, demoralized, places where horror lies and children run wild throughout their lives like the Lord of the Flies. Even the schools indoctrinate us with lies, teaching us all the what, who, where, and whys, and it's all lies. Now once fertile minds become implanted with lies, and a planet of lies where women get their breasts implanted with lies. 
All because of someone else's version of beauty and size. Now her beauty relies on lies. Beautiful black faces become vandalized with Maybelline lies and L'Oreal lies and cover girl lies to cover more lies. They even cover your eyes with black lies. Nappy hair to straight, so they apply lie. Or black eyes infected with styes from where blue contacts lies. They making us think lies. Got us rocking extinct animal mink lies. Telling us Napoleon didn't blow the nose off the sphinx lies. Jury's decisions have been a revised revision of lies. Making a criminal the victimized and the innocent the despised. I'm talking about police brutalized. Beating black guys to damn near paralyzed and it only takes two untruths to equal a pair of lies all day, every day. All we do is stare at lies. Watching the days of all lies while the days of our lies are manipulated with visual lies. Satellite and cable TV feeding me subliminal lies. Images of lies which through our actions become metamorphosized in places where prostitution lie and young black men are institutionalized. Niggas are running the church in hopes to hide only to be confronted with Catholic priest lies. In the name of God, Catholic priests are found in the little Pete's thighs. Using the crucifix to muffle the screams of little Pete's cries. Then using the Bible to answer the questions of little Pete's wives. When are we going to wake up and realize then they use their own tears to baptize them in their lies when are we gonna wake up and realize and please do not mistake this for some black guy talking about white guys because even white guys get told lies ask eric john about the cancer rate rise in the backyards of hickory woods with a toxic waste lies black or white it's like we're all fighting for a slice of the American pie, not realizing the main ingredients are you and I. Mono and diglycerides of our lives. Riboflavin of souls enslaving. Dope fiends of whey and protein. Soybeans of your dreams while the crust is made by hand from the stolen Indian's land. Sautéed in lust and desire. All baked in the oven of the hellfire. When are we going to wake up and realize? When are we going to wake up and realize that it's all lies? Peace. Oh my God. That's how you're gonna set it off like that, man. One more time. One more bomb. Oh my goodness, brother. Man, B. Yo, man. Let's talk about this piece for a sec. Oh man. You took the lies, man, the lies, the parallels you use with the lies was just crazy, man. The alliteration, you know, the like this was this was just crazy. Man, I appreciate you, family. Oh, my goodness, man. Like the oh, man. It's not often that you come across this type of talent. Praise God, man. All praises do, man. All That's praises, right. man. Like this is like, man. It was he, he it was only a white lie. Only a white lie. Mm, and then you, and you yeah, you brought that all the way up to the ah, oh, man. This this was masterful. Thank you, sir. The social lies. The implanted lie. He says women go and then implant these lies. And, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. man, this joint was crazy, man. This is artistry in its purest form, man. Nah, I appreciate you, family. Now tell me, man. Like, tell me what was the overall motivation? I can guess, you know, seeing you know what's going on in the world today, man. 
But mm-hmm. what, what what was the, the the straw that broke the camel's back that prompted you to put paper to pen to go and pen something like this, man? You know, the concept of white lie being something that's small and the white lies that humanity has seen have been, oh my God, destroyed, Mm. killed millions of people, white lies. And I just, uh, I think there was a, when this happened, when I wrote this, there was a a woman who, this is like back before there was Karens. Mm. It was just white women blaming it on black guys. So the white lady says a black guy stole her car and killed all of her kids or something like that. Took her car and drove it in mm. the water. But she did it. Mm. And that that white lie was wow. so uh, hurtful. And it just made me just reflect on, man, how many white lies have affected black people or the world? Mm, mm, and I mm. just really just start just doing first a mental note to self and then it just turned into the poem wow man Emmett Till Emmett Till you know the 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 lies it's so it's so many countless incidents Mm. you know I seen one meme that was just disgusting where this woman was like oh he's attacking me he's attacking me and this man ain't even make no no Nothing. gesture towards her. But they, they use that. their whiteness or yes. they use this and they weaponize it. They weaponize yes. their, their race. We talk about white privilege and, and things like that. This is what it entails. You know, you have a you have the privilege of having the benefit of the doubt. And instead of you being discontent about the way things are. You benefit from it. You go and yes. benefit to your white to your whiteness. You know, like because you ask people, Jane Elliot, a powerful sister, Jane Elliot said that uh, she did like this social experiment where she asked the people in the crowd, said, "How many of you guys would trade places with someone black?" <laughs> Raise your hand if you would like to be. <laughs> would you like to trade places with somebody black? And nobody raised their hand, and she said. By nobody raising your hand, what it lets me know is that there's a problem and that you you recognize the problem, but you're not doing anything to fix it. So when people weaponize their their race, they they weaponize it, you know, they get the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like white people not going at white people, not no shooting no shots at white people, but you do possess what we call white privilege and that privilege kind of translates to the benefit of the doubt when you yeah. when you get pulled over you have the benefit of the doubt that you're a law-abiding citizen the police they give you that benefit of the doubt you know when you when any type of police interaction you're given mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt and what we talk about with being black in this country a lot of times you know you don't get the benefit of the doubt you get the doubt you get the yes. doubt of the benefit. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I doubt, I doubt he was doing something good. You know, I, that's what you get. You know what I'm saying? I doubt he was doing something. You know, that's a bro, bar. Facts. Bro, you got to do something with that. That's a bar. <laughs> you know, the doubt of the benefit, you know, and it's crazy, brother. But this poem was highlighting 
all of the things that we go through through the day to day and see how how damaging it is you know how how far a lie can go like that one woman that said this one lady i seen this uh this uh tiktok she was like she's a, a caretaker and this mm-hmm. old lady that she was taking care of before she died she would be crying and going hysterical going hysterical and, right. and she was like he's right there he's right there he's right there and um she confessed to this woman that when she was young when she was young there was a a a, a kid that lived next door the black family that lived next door uh-huh. and um the 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 daughters had pretty addresses the daughters had pretty addresses so mm-hmm. she went and said that you know the, their brother did something to her wow and he never did anything to her and 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 they killed him they killed him wow. and this boy was there haunting her so he's right there he was haunting her and um i was like wow man it's so it, a lie can go so far like the lady she said that she she admitted that she lied the uh in the wow. Emmett Till case you know yes i saw that on her deathbed yeah she, she you know and no no kind of accountability Mm-mm. you know and like uh what's what's the other one name um george um Steiny. you know the first black kid to be executed yeah that little the young yes boy. They execute him. He was like 12 or 13 yep. or something like that. And they executed him over lies. You know, so these lies have been weaponized, you know, since since our since we've came coming to this country or since we've been going through the nonsense that we've been going through, through the reconstruction, through the, the segregation, through the redlining, through the constant oppression. Yes. You know, it's like people are fed up. We're fed up, man. This was a brilliant piece of work, man, my please, brother, man. You, oh man, this was this was powerful. Thank but you, I want to I want to get into I want to get into the Grand Grio competition, a fourteen week competition, fourteen mm-hmm. weeks. You know, nobody knew what was going on. No, no, no. I'm saying nobody could preemptively, you know, prepare for this. This was something we put out there. You know, we got people to audition. It was like about maybe 50, 60 people auditioned. 27 people were selected. Out of the 27 people, only 12 made it to the final 12. Hmm. Amongst this final 12, it was a brother that nobody knew about. Mm-hmm. Nobody even heard of this guy, you know. Like on in club on Clubhouse, you know, you have poets over there that have a reputation. They spit dope work, you know. From every day, they they from room to room spitting fire, and they're known. You know, they got two three thousand followers, and um, they're known. But this particular brother came out of nowhere, and he wasn't really really acclimated in the poetry. You know the the poetry rooms or the poetry houses on clubhouse you know and um it came from an invitation i i I happened to be in a room you know with a with a mutual brother that we both know and we're talking and everything and uh the brother just so happened to say yo man um you still doing the poetry thing and this brother he's he's seen me perform live before he's come to my shows and I'm like, yeah, I'm still doing poetry, da 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 da. And this brother said, well, I do poetry too. 
So I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I said, oh, really? You do poetry? I said, yo, look, I host uh, a spoken word room. You know, we do constructive criticism and critique. You know, uh, come on over, man. You know, we can do a little deep dive on your on your poetry or whatever the case may be. But he gave me a, a sample of what he could do, and I was blown away. So when he came to the show, other people was blown away. So just it's just about timing. It's just about yeah. timing because during this time we we starting to do auditions, and um, you get selected for the audition. Like, uh, you know, how, how, how did that make you feel when you found out that you were selected, that you was one of the poets selected of the 27? Because it was like 60 people who auditioned, but 27 were selected. And uh, you was one of those 27. How did that make you feel? Honestly, I was excited, but I was like, uh, it was like, uh, if it's like a swim meet, you know, and you ain't been swimming in a while. You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, well maybe I could make it halfway through and and uh you know, just it really was more so for the fun of it type of stuff. Mm. It really wasn't like in my head I thought I could uh pull it off. Mm. But uh I praise God, bro. It, it just turned out to to be something special, man. Oh man, and was it something special, man? Cuz so you get you get selected when you get selected, you know, you we still got to go through we still got to go through the audition phase or not mm -hmm. the audition phase, the initial 2 weeks, 2 mm -hmm. to 3 weeks where we're weeding out, we're trying to get the best of the best. So you had to you had to, you know, come through for 2 weeks in a row and mm -hmm. and, and and do a poem and you made it through. Now, if I if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that the first poem I heard you do for your audition for in the um, first preliminary uh, rounds was the hanging tree. I think that was one of the poems was the yes. hanging tree. And I was like, whoa, you know, this was what this was in the time of the competition where there was no prompts. You can just bring your uh, bring your own piece. Mm -hmm. So you had two weeks to just bring who you was as a poet to see if you got to that final 12. And you came, man. Now, during this time, there was a lot of beef going on. <laughs> it was a lot of beef going on. You had some poets that they decided to, like, I'm going to go at all these poets. And they thought that was the mode or the the path to victory, yeah. you know. And it, and, and it didn't pan out, you know, because uh, it's, it's, it's about competitiveness, being competitive. Mm -hmm. So some of them took that approach to go at everybody and try to create controversy and um it didn't play out but you my brother you stayed you know your character stayed a certain consistent way throughout the entire competition you did not become compromised by whether prompts or what someone else said you just stayed focused man and you kept writing to the to the challenges so two weeks go by you make it to the final 12 you know and uh, now this is when the competition starts. This is when everything gets mm -hmm. gets busy because now you're not writing for what you want to write. Now you got to write what we're telling you to write, you know, Crazy. about what we're telling you to write. This is when the challenge comes in. So making it to the final 12, you know, and the first challenge being so bland because yeah, okay. that was done deliberately. We wanted to take the most stalest piece of video yeah. footage and give it to you guys to create something masterful. 
So how was that the first week? Tell us about that. What was that like? He's like, am I going to last through this whole 12 weeks? Like, what, like what, what's going to happen, man? Because this, this is some dry footage. What? Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, was kind of bland. But inside of it, I could, uh, I could see the, uh, like a correlation between that and life. I was able to like tap into that. And um, I, I just, once I tapped into that, the, this connection, because the gentleman in the video was, was like, uh, he was waking up, the alarm clock would go off. He would wake up, you know, look at his phone, go brush his teeth, shave, get some coffee, uh, get dressed, walk out the door, grab some candy out of this jar. It's filled all the way up. And then the same thing would happen the next day. But the jar would keep getting lower, 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 lower. And um, mm. I understood that, how life is. And how, and then at the end, there's like no more candy left in the jar. Mm. And I, I just, once you can see the, the, uh, the angle, like mm. how can I relate to this? Then I was able to jump on it, man, and I and I felt I felt good about it. You know, it just turned it from bland to something that was exciting to me. Phenomenal, man. And um, this was I think this was the week right here that uh, this was the the challenge that I that I thought that would like break some people. Mm -hmm. You know, because when you get outside your comfort zone. You know, you start, the pressure started here. Like, anybody can do their thing in their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? You put me in the kitchen and you tell me, like, yo, make some pastries or make some, you know, like, do your culinary thing. I'm good. I'm good. But if, if I'm cooking some cuisine that I don't know too much about, like maybe right. Asian cuisine or Japanese cuisine. where Cook a you, piranha. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to prepare blowfish. Like, now... <laughs> <laughs> The poisonous one. The poisonous, yeah. yeah. I gotta, I gotta prepare this blowfish, and like, if if I don't prepare it right, everybody gonna die. You know, now, like, I'm not comfortable with this type of situation. So, yeah. this was the, this was the challenge that I was like, I want to see what these guys do. You know, can they bring it to life? And um, certain of you guys really stood out on this challenge, and you was being one of them. You know, the the concept of the element using the candy. You know, as an expendable resource, something that mm -hmm. a crutch that's leaned on, you know, and bringing other things outside of the, the video into the poetry, you know, expanding on what was shown, the visual that was shown to expand on it a little bit more. So, you know, the, the individuals who who really shined, I was like, yeah, these are the these are the poets that's really ready for this because this was just the tip of the iceberg. It, it got way crazier than that. I mean, like for me, for me, and I want you to tell us about this a little bit. For me, the most impactful, the most impactful, I, I, I got to really sit down and think about it because you had a, a, a few weeks that was just impactful. But the week where you had to write the challenge of the uh, tyrant, historical tyrant, oh, wow. and you picked Leopold. Yeah. I thought that that was absolutely brilliant, brilliant <clears throat> on so many different levels. One level is the fact that in this society, 
you know, Leopold is not even mentioned when we talk oh, about, you know, the, the the most evilest people who has ever lived. Like Hitler is number one. Yep. Hitler is number one. You don't hear Leopold's name. Two what two million Jews? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. They, they, they 20, say, um yeah. Twenty ex- million. Exactly. Twenty million. And this they talk about six thousand, I mean six million. Six million or yeah, six million Jews. You know, mm. like the Holocaust was a horrific, you know, uh, occurrence. Mm-hmm. Not trying to compare and contrast, but when we talk about the Holocaust compared to what Leopold did, nothing. It's like it's like a drop in a bucket. It's like yes. a drop in a bucket, and um, it's it's funny to me how they they give Hitler this this title of being the most evilest mm-hmm. person because he killed white people wow he killed white people he didn't kill you know he didn't kill black people leopold leopold i mean he killed 20 million 20 million that's, that's I, I can't even i can't even comprehend it bro it's it's like what chopping off limbs chopping yes. off their limbs and children children you Families, know bro. Uh, the the way that leopold did it was so like it was almost like the devil was on earth mm. at that time and if the devil was was training you and teaching you how to ex- extinguish a, a group of people and he followed the devil's playbook to to the t to the t the, the exact blueprint Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was phenomenal that you brought that to light, and um, the characterization that you prepared with that piece was just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the the voice, the voiceover that you did, you know, you stayed in character, you committed to the entire thing. You was very facetious and sarcastic, you know, in in you know, because the challenge was that you had. To write from a perspective of honoring them or mm. praising them. Mm. But you managed to do that in totally, you know, just breaking them down to the, I mean, to the finite level, you know, to like really outline what what he did and the atrocity, how big of an atrocity it was. Yes. So that was like one of the most impact, impactful weeks for me. You know, when you did that performance and I was like, I was blown away. I was blown away. That was just phenomenal, brother. That was phenomenal, man. So, I, I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not want to do him mm. because, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was it was so painful to uh, watch the videos. Like, like I watched a bunch of uh, documentaries on different tyrants and his was the worst. It was terrible. I couldn't even imagine trying to do it with him. Mm. And uh, I went to so many different other people. There were some African leaders and I was like, this is nothing. And like once I had Leopold in my head, everything else was nothing. I would go to a different one and they'd be like, oh, he did this. And mm. I'd be like, what is that's nothing? He didn't do anything. <laughs> then another one. They were like, he didn't do anything. 
and then this one was in power for like a year, two years, and he, you know, killed hundreds of people. Well, Leopold killed millions. Mm. So nobody could even reach the bar of, of, of evilness as Leopold. So when I kept saying I'm not going to do him, it just got closer and closer and closer to the deadline. And I was like forced to mm. choose him because no one else, like to say, take a, let's say you take a, one of these African leaders and you'd be like, oh, he embezzled money uh, for his, and he, you know, it's nothing. That don't mean nothing mm. compared to this dude who killed uh, 10, 20 million Africans cutting off their hands, forcing children to work and labor, not feeding them, uh, raping them, all this stuff, mm. bro. I was like, I, I just was haunted by everything that he did. So finally, once it just got close to the deadline, I went back to him and said, uh, I have to, I have to just present all the evil that he's done. But I was like, doing it, wanting to do it in a way to where it fit within the confines of the competition, how, how the rules you gave. Mm. Yeah, man, you, you absolutely, you absolutely killed that challenge, man. I appreciate And you, uh, that, yeah, that was, that was an eye opener for me, you know, to take that challenge and create to that magnitude, you know, to produce a piece like that. And that week, man, you got the best piece that week, but it was some, you got all tens. But it was some it was some some heavy hitters that week as well. Yeah. So to outshine Absolutely. in that week was 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 a big thing because so many of the different poets did their thing. But yeah. you definitely shined in that man. So this competition, man, I know it had to be, you know, at some point in time, man, it was it had to be consuming, man. It had to be consuming. That's why we try to put in the little incentives. The little incentives to uh to give out yeah. because I know it was like time consuming. It, it was a, it was a lot more off the app than on the app. Like we yeah. was on the app for a little bit, but the the amount of time that it consumed off the app, man. Tell us about mm -hmm. that. Like how did it affect your your daily life outside? You know, outside of Clubhouse. Yeah. So basically, I um I have a my own business, so. I was able to like do a lot of research and study while I'm working, listening to like documentaries, um, uh, you know, just, just, you know, you give us a topic, I would like research it. And then, uh, while I'm working, I might stop, you know, take notes, you know, put something in a mental Rolodex. And then when I get home, I would commit to, probably about an hour to two hours a day of trying to maybe write a little, you know, some, putting stuff together. Uh, sometimes I wouldn't be able to write and then I would just put it off until the next day. But for the most part, man, honestly, a big part of it, I was, I'll be talking to God, like, mm. you know what, God, let me, uh, if it's good, if I could use this as a tool to uh, win and spread the truth, about uh, you know what's going on in the world and society and the, 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 the glorify your name, then you know let me win. Mm. But if it's not good for me, then don't let me win. But he will give me signs that he's with me. Like 
Like uh, like with the Leopold thing. Mm. I, I thought I was going to lose because it was like halfway through the week, almost maybe like four days left. Mm. Uh, and I was like, um, I don't got nothing. I really didn't have nothing until like maybe two or three days to that point. And I wow. had prayed on it like, yeah, God, you know, if this is it. You know, then and it is what it is. But if it's not, then, you know, inspire me and give me something to do. And then that's when he like made it like I had to do Leopold and then the way to do it. And then the 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 the, the time to do the accent, the mm. African accent. Yeah, that was dope. <laughs> so it was kind of like uh, I knew that I was I if God wanted me to win, he was going to keep inspire me and give mm. me uh you know this the ability to, to present it but there was two times i thought i was gonna lose one with leopold and one with the uh the female uh <laughs> perspective that was that was the <laughs> challenge you had a yeah you had one of the challenges for the for the audience that didn't know one of the challenges was you had to write from the perspective of a female and it had to be a neurotic piece not not so more uh, so more so erotic but sensual in erotic nature you had to evoke erotic you know feelings but you had to write from a female perspective right. and um that was the challenge you know so for the females that was in the competition they had to write from a male's perspective and the males had to write from a female's perspective right. so that was a little twist <laughs> but you made it through you made it through unscathed <laughs> yeah praise god man that yeah, that was dope you know what i mean but uh you know that was another attempt that particular challenge because people didn't know we wasn't making these up we wasn't making these challenges up as we went along all of them was pre-done they were pre uh recorded all of the the prompts was pre-recorded in the challenge form that we did you know and um they were all deliberate because they, we wanted to take people outside of their comfort zone and see what they can do. Would they be able to prevail? You know, what, what when they're writing about things other people want them to write about. Like right. me, like me personally, like uh, I had to taste this back in 2016. 2016, I had the honor of being uh, accepted into this slam that, would happen, that, would, that, that happened in New York called the Night of Champions. Now this this slam was a big deal because in order to even be a contestant in this slam you had to pre-qualify and win a previous slam from under the same promoter. So he put this he took all the champions from all of his events and he put them together for one night to do the night of champions to see who would reign supreme. You know, and um he told us he told us to write he told us to write from the from a particular topic. He gave us a particular topic to write from. He, he gave us the 1920s. So we had to write about that era, the 1920s. You know, uh, the roaring 20s. We had to write about consumerism. We had to write about the jazz age. We had to write about... You know the Harlem Renaissance You know so we had to write about These different categories And um It was pressure It was pressure So to be able to get prompts 
to be able to get prompts and you know write to the prompts it, it take you outside your comfort zone so this was the overall you know sentiment behind us you know picking these different prompts you know and uh getting people outside of their comfort zone so yeah this was our intent man this that yeah, was the no whole doubt. purpose yeah i see i see <laughs> absolutely so did it. so so I want to get I want to get you you know what I'm saying back on this stage man you know what I'm saying because sure. the conversation is so good man well, I could definitely do an eight hour interview with you but <laughs> let me what you call it man let's get back on the ball man the people want to hear you spit so let's 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 set the stage back up coming back to the stage let's give a warm warm welcome for our brother performing his second piece brother Habib. Have you seen the hanging tree? A tree where life or death literally hang in the balance. You see, niggas don't grow on these trees. They just hang from them. As if they're hanging out to dry. But they're hanging out to die. And you bet not get caught hanging round here, nigga. Or you'll get caught hanging round here, nigga. Because the lynch mobs are thirsty and they're dying to get drunk. Intoxicated off the toxic hatred of a life that's so sacred. And when they wake, they won't feel any hangover. Just you at your wake, hungover. Decorated in necklaces slash nooses. And the only gift you were ever given was enough rope to hang yourself. They'll leave you half dead hanging on for dear life. Like a hunter in a tree hanging on for dear life. Hanging on by a thread. Dead body surfing on an ocean of wind. Riding on that wood. Yeah, they're hanging ten. Shackled and handcuffed. Yeah, you hang tough. And don't you dare cry. Give your kids something to look up to as they look up to. Show them the ropes. Teach them how to make that expression on their face while your wife gets raped as your life escapes. Teach them how to make that expression on their face while your wife gets raped as your life escapes. Teach them, teach them how to make that expression on their face. Yeah, son, show them the ropes. Just tell them your father was hung from the highest branch. Tell them I was well hung, much to his chagrin. Pitch porch digging into his pitch black skin. His estranged truth gave proof to red phlegm and blood dripping from this strange fruit. So hang in there, friend. The death angel is calling and don't you dare hang up on him. Just show him the ropes. Just hang up your dreams of freedom. Only death can free him. Keep calling on God and never give up hope. Even if you're at the end of your rope. Peace. Oh my God, man. Do you guys see why this piece right here is so epic, man. You know, you know, I was trying to put my finger on it, but I know what it is. You have mastered the art of the entendre, man. 
Like your entendres just be crazy, man. And I'm sitting here, man. I'm like, whoa, man. The way you just you just intertwine these different concepts and you say a phrase like three, four times, saying it in different ways and in each way is bringing a different meaning and it's coloring the, 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 the context, man. And um, it's just masterful, man. But this piece right here really stood out to me. And um, now the world can see, you know, my audience can see, you know, why this piece right here, you just, it just stands out because it's a timeless piece. Now tell us, brother, what, I mean, what, you know, what was the, the, the motivation behind putting pen to paper for this? Like, like, I know this piece right here was like, it's dwelling in you, but what was the, the thing that made it, you know, surface to the, to the paper, man? Yeah, the motivation was, um, you know, there's a song with uh, Nia Simone. Mm. And she uh, talks about the southern trees mm. bear a strange fruit. Whew, that's tough, bro. Mm. And then you look at that uh, concept of, of a, uh, the hanging tree. And I imagine myself in a position, like, what would I have done if that was me? And uh, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. Mm. Like, I just, I don't know, bro. It just, it just overwhelmed me. Honestly, I, I, I cried when I wrote this, bro. When I was writing this piece, man, I, I, I broke down into tears, bro, just thinking about, especially when it says... Uh, Show them like your son is looking up. Imagine your son. I was imagining mm. my son looking up at me. And it says, show them that expression on your, teach them how to make that expression on your face mm. while your wife gets raped as your life escapes. Mm. So you're sitting there hanging, looking at your son. You see people raping your wife. Bro, I just broke down. Yeah, and, man. Uh, that it is a painful, painful reality that yeah that's that that's that's it's it's just prolific man it's prolific that you would take that because that was the whole sentiment behind that that song strange fruit you know it started off as a poem you know that 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 song was a poem oh, wow. yeah it was written by it was written by abel mirapol and mm. mirapol he was a he was a jewish poet but he wrote that poem in like he he went through the south and he saw with his own oh. eyes you know the the lynchings and he wrote that poem and, and the poem is very graphic it's very yeah. graphic that poem when when billy holiday when billy holiday uh did it because I believe she did it first. Yeah, Billie Holiday did it first. Yes, she did. But they blackballed her for that. She went to jail <sighs> for for doing that song because they told her not to perform it. And she, everywhere they told her not to perform it, she still performed it. She still yeah. performed it. Hell yeah. So they because she had a heroin a heroin addiction. So they 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 really wasted 
like uh, government resources to put taps on her on her phone, mm. like to follow her, like put tabs on her, you know, to try to, you know, get her caught up to put her in jail for performing this song. It was that impactful. And when you really look at the poem itself, Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood at the blood on the leaves, blood at the roots. You know, uh, the the scenery that he's describing, you know, see mm-hmm. them, the twisted mouths, the protruding eyes and the twisted mouths. You know, this was the remnants of this, the bodies hanging on the trees in that southern heat, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a it's a it's a smell it's a scent that that exude there's no mean just the whole idea of that atrocity put into poetry form it became legendary kanye uh nina simone billy holiday uh uh brother habib the grand griot even poetic black myself i did i did a, a rendition of that of that poem Two renditions, in fact. One of them, I heard one of them. Yeah, you heard one of them. I didn't, I did, yeah, I I didn't even release the second one yet. I'm still working on the final touches of it, but um, it's something that sentiment needs to be uh put out there so people can see it. So people can see this exactly how people thought. Like, this is what this was the mindset of people in this country. They used to use us as gator bait, like putting babies, black babies, to catch alligators. You know, this was a real thing. They have American memorabilia at in some of these stores, these novelty stores that you can go to where you can see the 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 uh the products. You know, and um this was this was crazy. And um that poem is just so impactful. It's so impactful, man. That's why I remember the name. I remember all the elements in that poem because it was so real and so impactful and it 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 accurately, you know what I'm saying? display the sentiment of how we feel on our side mm. you know asking those questions man like appealing to the morale of people to say that how can you say that this is something that's good you gotta be some evil something evil to believe that this was right where you got people you know they got pictures and photographs and postcards mm-hmm. of black bodies being burnt up hanging on a tree their genitals being cut off, you know, holding them in jars and, and saving them as memorabilia. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just sick. It's sick. So we've, we've been through so much in this country. And when I hear poetry that reflects back and make people remember, understand, you know, what we've been through, what we're going through, you know, so it can bring awareness to it, man. Great job right. on that piece, my Thank brother, you, man. man. For I real. You, bro. Definitely, man. Now, one of the pieces, right? One of the pieces I said I said my the most impactful piece, but the week, my favorite week, <laughs> my favorite week when you just left Earth, man, is when you did the characterization of Nat Turner, man. Oh my God! Like yeah. that, yo, that right there was when I knew. I like this dude is different. I like this dude is different. When we did when we did the Nat Turner week, man, you chose Nat Turner for the for the audience that don't know. Uh, one week was you had to pick a revolutionary, you know, a revolutionary that uh you know that that died or whatever the case may be, and 
you had to write as though they were here today. As though they were here, like they was resurrected or whatever the case may be. But they were here today in 2023. You know, this is where they was at. And um, they seeing all of the stuff that's going on today with their old set mindset. And uh, you did Nat Turner. And it was an epic performance. An epic. And I urge you guys to go back and you can listen. Now, what I'm going to do, because the Grand Griot is coming up again. Let me make that quick announcement. The Grand Griot is coming up again. Uh, We're going to get started around the same time. Um, January next year, we should be ready, set to go. And um, But this year, at the end of this year, we, we're going to start taking auditions, you know, for the second annual Grand Griot. And um, if you guys want to audition, you know, get that app, get that Clubhouse app and come on to Clubhouse and um, put your bid in. You know, we're going to change a couple of things to try to, you know, circumvent or prevent some of the things, uh, 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 some of the pitfalls that we fell into last year. But uh, we're going to we're going to try to fix those things and it's going to be a better better experience man this experience was epic but we're trying to improve on that that experience so what i'm gonna do in the near future maybe in a a few months or so maybe two three months when we get closer to that time i'm gonna play the 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 final 12 the final 12 weeks we're gonna i'm gonna release those episodes there's some bonus footage some bonus content I'm going to release those as a podcast because I still have the recordings of all those. So I'm going to release those so you guys can um, follow the competition up into the point of week one to 12, the final 12, you know, not the not the audition stage or the, the first two preliminary weeks but just the final 12. We're going to replay those so you guys can get acclimated how the uh how the the competition went and how it works so remember that's coming up soon so uh you want to audition for that and the individuals who auditioned last year and you made it to the final 12 you are not eligible to compete again not this year next year you can the following year you can compete again because we want to give other people chances to, to try to get that crown but uh with that being said man my brother man you know this interview man like i can really go on another three hours man but i know we have a limited amount of time man. we got a limited amount of time so i want to get you back on the stage man to do your final piece before we get into all the pleasantries the wrapping up and all that because i got one more question i gotta ask you and i will get into that after you uh you you perform your final piece so give us a little more time with it so coming back to the stage let's give a warm warm welcome for the grand griot himself brother habib brothers and sisters i've been looking for the positive I've been looking for the positive, but it's hard to find the positive in these days when blacks are 40% of the people positive with AIDS. I've been watching cable TV, BET, Netflix, Worldstar, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, anything that came across my face to look, and I still can't seem to get this shit straight. You niggas believe you're liberated, living free, 
with your rent-a-center sofa and TV while being dependent on Section 8 and food stamps for your cost of living fee. I mean, it's it's amazing how your ancestors, we were masters of agriculture. We could we can make any crop grow and bloom, then reap what we sowed all night during the harvest moon. But now, you've allowed these culture vultures to substitute horticulture for wick vouchers. And the only land that you own is the landline on your phone on your phone nigga y'all niggas trying to tell me y'all staged sit-ins and and, and and sat in their restaurants and establishments protested got arrested to eat in their no eat their no seasoning having ass sandwiches sandwiches they 100% spit on instead of opening your own restaurant selling the soul food you were raised on you were fighting for the right to eat their bland-ass potato salad with raisins. Are you out of your damn mind? Because somehow, in your mind, you believe this, this Pyrrhic victory is such a great achievement in our history. Which now has me uh, become the bane of my existence. Which, which, which now I can see victory has defeated you, black man. You literally fought the white man to make him rich. Paid him your hard-earned money so he could continue to treat you like shit. And he so graciously granted you the right to do so. And instead of channeling the black dollar to create global empires, you dumb dopes were duplicitly duped into doing their drudgery. All under the guise of, I, I think the white man finally loves me. This Stockholm syndrome is embedded in our bones, genome, and chromosomes. And instead of finding the power to fight the power that pushed the whites in power, we created empowers empowered through pushing white powder. Now the success of our people is no longer indivisible. They made us think in sync that success is based on an individual. So now the success of his people is no longer in his visual. And the goals for us to meet and reap the success of Black Wall Street have now become invisible. And with all the evidence here, it's become evidently clear that it's hard to free slaves from chains they revere. In fact, you niggas have turned those chains into gold chains. Your goals have changed. Now you lusting for diamond-encrusted locks on your brain. These fools have deluded you, used Uncle Tom foolery to fool you, made you true, lose sight of your color while calling you color just to confuse you, then made red and blue the new hue used to divide you, went from sending merchant ships to buy you to Crips versus Pyro. This is how they purpose deprive you gang gang nigga and what's insane nigga is the same gangs by themselves got more guns than the cops do but since they divide themselves like the mitosis of dividing cells they only see themselves alone by themselves that's how that's how black people can sex traffic their own people now niggas all on their own, alone, by yourselves, will literally sell and buy yourselves. This is the new Jim Crow. And I should know, nigga, because I really knew niggas who knew Jim Crow. Buckeye, tap dancer, and rap video minstrel. So this is why, after all these years, they still treating us like we three-fifths of a people. But when that three-fifths is in a hand, they and my three-fifths of this man is holding the four-fifth in my hand, they definitely know that I'm more than equal. And then... And instead of letting the gun bang, 
You would rather sit at home and complain, oh, I'm so tired and overworked. I'm so tired and overworked. Can you imagine dying overworked? I'm not talking about your fucking trap houses being shot up, niggas dying over work. I'm, I'm talking about high noon in the hot southern sun, niggas dying overworked. Not even animals can be conditioned to work these conditions that are the worst of conditions. And at the age of 12 and 13, as soon as they start bleeding, little black girls were forced to begin breeding. Chad, ch scared, chest heaving. Little girls who ain't even got no chest to begin with were forced to begin breastfeeding God. Why is justice nigh? When your sole purpose of living is not living for yourself, but the purpose of your living is to make a living for someone else. Um, I got me scheming on my freedom. But every, every part of your body is just telling you no. And your slave masters keep telling you you're a good for nothing nigga who ain't worth shit. And that's just so you know. And the only Justin you know is to run barefoot plowing through the snow with your wife and her precious cargo trying to get to the land of Justin Trudeau. And it seems easy enough, but it's just not Trudeau. Slavery could break down the most gangster nigga you know. That, you know that nigga. You know that nigga who says fuck 12 when he sees the police come while he holding his gun and he still don't even run? Put him back where I was from. When you heard fuck 12, that mean mass was coming to fuck your 12-year-old daughter or son. Plantation pedophilia. Where little children were in high demand and you can't possibly understand a man's feeling of feeling damn because he can't stop massa from thrusting his manhood inside of my little man. And your only choices are get beaten savagely to death by his own hands or submit and follow his command. When he tells you it's your turn to let your son learn how you gonna take it like a man. Now you out of your damn mind. That's when we grabbing weapons, knives, machete, whatever the fuck we can find. Shh, ground poison in their food. Make sure it's really fine. Arsenic in its favorite dip contaminate their minds. I'm killing everything I find for my happily every after. So if I say, get me the little pump and a little woozy, don't confuse these for mumble rappers. These are the, the same hunger as kill mumba, munger. So fuck T'Challa, King, and Martin Luther's dream. I want murder by any means, even if death is a necessity needed for me. So that one day my people can truly be free. Peace. Oh my God, man. One more bomb for that, man. Oh my God, man. Yo, now let me preface this piece. Because this is the piece I was talking about. This was the characterization. Understand this piece in context. He was doing the characterization of Nat Turner. Now, <sighs> trying to gather, conjure the sentiment of Nat Turner in this piece, you know, first of all, let me just say you did a magnificent job conjuring that sentiment. You know, because you wasn't the only one to do Nat Turner that night. Another um poet, uh, Spit Raw, he he also did Nat Turner that night. Mm, yep. And uh, his 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 characterization of Nat Turner, because he does it, impressions. So his impression of what we think Nat would sound like uh, was, you know, that was dope. But what what I noticed that night 
is that you really brought the sentiment of what Nat stood for, the frustration of the the, the anguish that was just pent up and regressed, and um, you bled it all out on the page, man. This was just so phenomenal, man. There's so many different lines, man. The line that always give me goosebumps is. The dying overwork. I'm not talking about in your fucking trap houses dying overwork. I'm talking about in the hot sun. Dying overworked. Mm. Powerful, man. Powerful. The, you, the entendre king, man. Like, <laughs> like the way you flip entendres, man, is like like something I've never seen before. I appreciate <laughs> But this piece right here was epic, man. I'm I'm so happy you chose to do that, you know, for your final piece, man. Because uh, it it gives credence to what I was saying, man. You know, like this brother, man, he deserved to be the Grand Griot, man. And um, I can't wait, man. We set the date, you know, like you had you had so many things going on. We had things going on because we didn't just want to meld the belt to you. You know what I'm saying? Right. That this was 14 weeks. This was 14 weeks of, of you sacrificing, you know, your time, time with your family, you know, time from your work, you know, from your, even your leisure time to, to sacrifice this time to participate in this competition. So we wanted to hand you this belt, you know, face to face. My man, I can't hand, wait. Man. Hand to hand. And, and I got it. I got the belt, man. I got the I belt. I seen that thing, Shiny. man. Shiny. <laughs> Oof. Shiny man, and it's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy to symbolize the depth of your words, my brother. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait. It's gonna be an honor. We set the date on the twenty sixth. We set the date. Uh, where we're gonna finally, man, me and Payne will be able to hand you this belt, man. And um, it's so well deserved, so well earned. You know, you did a phenomenal job, not just in the poetry realm, but your character, which is going to lead to the you, the final question that I have for you. You know, uh, you, my brother, man, you walk. You're a man of righteousness, man. You're a man of God, you know, and um, since I've known you, you've never compromised that. You've never compromised that. No matter what, what's the venue, what's the topic, or whatever the case may be, uh, a person, even in this interview, a person can gather that this is a man of God. And um, you know, you talk, you, you hear people, you know, you know, they say that they're religious, but religious and righteous is two different things, and sometimes they get conflated with one another. You know, but you know, righteousness don't look like religiosity mm. righteousness don't look like you know you know you go to church is a is a fashion show you go to the mosque you know you got the the brother with the the big thobe on big beard <laughs> the big chew stick in his mouth and um when you you interact or you engage with him he doesn't remind you anything of god you know and the one thing that i've noticed since I've met you, man, that you've always made God prevalent in your life. So I wanted to ask you about your spirituality, man, because um, me and you both, we both follow the same faith and um, we both have the same views about the faith, you know, uh, you know, the same gripes or critiques about, you know, how people choose to uh, practice the faith. Mm 
So tell us a little bit about, you know, what you believe and, you know what I'm saying, uh, what you represent in the terms of, you know, being a man of righteousness, being a man of God. You know, how, how do that play in your poetry? Because you never separate the two, and it's very admirable. Man. Yeah, this is, uh, I think this is the reality in my brain, like, like you say, I made God prevalent, but God has made, I see how God has, has been so prevalent in my life. And I try to always remember that, uh, you know, in the Quran, God says that he's only created man and jinn to serve and worship him. Mm. So, you know, growing up, knowing that, I mean, as a kid, I read that. But the more and more I, I begin to understand that, I came to the conclusion that my whole existence is in service to and in worship of God. So I can't do anything for me per se. Even if I come up and um, uh, do a poem or something like that, it has to be worship, service for God everything and if i uh put myself in front of god then i'm making me like who i'm serving mm. opposed to god so it's definitely uh it's been a, a journey to come to that place and it it just i'm afraid <laughs> mm. because i've been through so much what god showed me what arrogance would do to you. He showed me how you think you strong. I'm six foot, six foot six. Mm. And there's been times where I couldn't even get up out of bed because I had a, a pneumonia and I, I was like a baby, bro. Mm. I had to crawl for, to go to the bathroom. There's been experiences that I've had where God let me know that without him, I'm nothing. And uh, I don't ever want to experience uh, a moment without God's mercy or his grace or his strength or whatever it is that people will see and say, wow, that's awesome. I will always try to give it back to God because it's only through him that it's, it's possible. Mm -hmm. So I got to constantly give it back to God because if I don't give it to him, bro, and I start taking ownership, He'll take it away and show me how weak I am, how nothing I am. Mm. So I just try to be a servant to the Most High, uh, so that hopefully one day I could be with the Most High. Mm. God willing. That's so profound, my brother. It's so profound. And um, you hear that terminology, walk it like you talk it, you know. And then you you see the examples that you give, man. That's exactly what your intention is You know your intention is to You know to walk upright To walk you know You know being a light or Beacon of light for others Being you know that You know that That pillar that can say yo look This is an example of how it's done You know where a person Is trying a person is struggling And um it all comes through My brother you know I, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I'm a pretty good judge of character. And um, I don't keep too many people in my circle. 
I don't keep too many people in my circle since I've since I've been young. I've always been able to, uh, you know, fill a person out and see what type of vibe or energy they're on. It's discernment. You know, we all we all have to have discernment. Yeah. And what I discern from you, my brother, man, you know, time has proven it that, you know, you're deliberate and you're you're definitely serious and and truthful you know in your aim you know to walk in that path of being upright and in service to god you know and i commend you my brother it, it's it's it, it's it's you can see it you know in everything that you do that um it's affecting your life man and people can recognize and it's good sometimes for people to tell you that they can see it it's that confirmation coming from the most high that you're on the right path sometimes we need reassurance Sometimes we need, yes, brother. You know, sometimes we need it, man. We need to, to for it to be recognized, to let us know that yes, what I'm doing is affecting change in other people, and it's changing me. So uh, that's it, it's a beautiful sentiment, my brother. I, I thought I thought it had to praise be, God. yeah. Praise praise the Most High, man, because it had to be mentioned, man. And uh, continue being that light. Continue being. You know right. that beacon you of hope. Nah, brother. You ain't gonna have me crying. Nah, brother. Nah, brother. It's all love, man. And uh, you know, I just want you to know that, man. Those flowers coming from me, man. That uh, you're on the right path, my brother, man. I look forward, man, to working with you in the future, man. We got some Absolutely. things and some endeavors that we're gonna collaborate on, and uh, I can't wait to see what the future you know has in store for the grand griot man and man. I'm, it's an honor it's an honor to have you to be our first grand griot man, you know God. i'm so excited and so blessed most and definitely uh, and the biggest the biggest prize bro i'm gonna be 100 bro the biggest prize is meeting you and becoming your friend bro mm. that's the i swear to god mm. i swear to the most high that is the fucking biggest prize mm. is meeting you bro Wow, man. I'm 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 humbled, my brother. I'm really humbled, man. And um, the 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 sentiment is is mutual, brother. It's mutual, man. I can't wait, man, to hand you this belt, you know. And uh, you know, it's gonna be a beautiful. It's gonna be a beautiful moment. Uh, we're gonna definitely record it, man. We go out, hang out, man. And uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be dope, man. Definitely. And uh, I definitely want to thank you, man, for coming to the show. But uh, nah, before, thank before, you for having me. most definite. Before we we get we we get up out of here, though, I want you to tell the people like what you got going on, what you, you know, what I'm saying what you're working on, how they can get in contact with you, man. Especially your album, man, because that album, man, is a piece of. Art. I'm going to post the link in the description of this episode so you guys can check that description and check out that track Occupy, man, that I played in the beginning. And check out his whole album. The whole album is available. And um, go check that out, man. Support this, brother. But go ahead, brother Habib. Yeah, man. Uh, what I'm working on now, uh, the, next, the next thing I'm trying to do, uh, and I want this brother's help right here with it i want to do a um on clubhouse and maybe uh youtube but i want to do a a show called um um red pill love poems and i want to just really get into the reality of things you know what i'm saying like 
I want to just kind of remove the the Hallmark uh, Band-Aid and this fucking Disney Channel, uh, you know, phenomena about love and talk about really love. What's the red pill concepts? So it's not just about, you know, when I say love, I'm talking about love for uh, not just women, brotherhood, mm. love in this society, this world, what we love, who we should ultimately be loving, like the real deal stuff. So that's mm. that's what I want to get into uh, soon, very soon. And uh, I, I, once I'm ready to push that uh, the button on that, I'm gonna let you know, and, and you can let your people know, and we can go from there. Most definitely, man. I'm I'm all for it. I'm definitely all for it. Uh, a, a a a real class act, this brother Habib, our grand griot, yeah, man. And uh, man, thank you, man, for coming. Thank you, facts, brother, for coming to the show, man, and showing and showing out, man, and showing out. You just didn't come. You you came and you showed out, man. But uh, this is the point in time. This is the point in time where I need my audience. I need you to listen to the sound of my voice. If you can hear the sound of my voice, I need you to tune in. I have something very, 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 very important to tell you. Tune in to the sound of my voice. I hope, I hope you remain on your path today. I hope you have the resilience and diligence to get the job done. No matter what obstacles befall you, just know strength and endurance can push you through. It's time for us to become active. If you don't know anything about me, if you don't know anything about me, I want you to know this. I want you to know that I love you. And I hope, I really hope you love me too. Peace.